Welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 101. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently available for streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This week we'll be talking about the 1963 Roger Corman produced and directed film, The Terror, which comes to us from Amazon Prime, though it's available kind of everywhere. Everywhere, in varying different forms. We'll have a story about that a little later. But before we get to that, we have a guest today. We do. Uh, welcome, Marielle. Hello. <laughs> Marielle is my cousin, and she's appearing on this podcast for the very first time. I am. It's very exciting. I've waited my whole life for this, I think. <laughs> uh, well, Marielle, we have to ask you um, the question we ask all of our guests, which is, what is your favorite scary movie? Wow. Uh, I knew this question was coming, and I was heavily contemplating. I don't... I'm bad at picking favorite movies. It's fair. You know, um, in general... I just saw the second Quiet Place, and it's still it's still in my brain. So I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's, it's, reson- it's resonating. It's, with it's you. the most in my brain. Mm-hmm. That's fair. We'll call it that. Interesting. We have not seen. We haven't seen it. The second that Quiet Place. That motivates me more to see it. So I'm actually very <laughs> glad you said that. So this week's film, The Terror, as you mentioned, uh, is on Prime. It's also available on Tubi TV and IMDb. We switched in watching this film. We switched between IMDb and Tubi TV because the version on Prime is in just awful quality oh it's garbage it's fully unwatchable and we uh a few months ago did a a movie um curtains called curtains that was same kind of thing clearly like ripped from like a i think we discussed it was like ripped from tv yeah when it played on tv someone got a hold of that recording so just awful this was worse than that yeah this was Mm -hmm. like blobs moving around on the screen yeah (laughs) moving pixels but imdb and tubi have a higher resolution version That has been cropped from its original aspect ratio. So we will confess that we did watch a cropped version. Cropped. I don't know what we missed on the edges of the screen, but clearly. Maybe it would have saved this movie. Who knows? I think the sacrifice was worth it for the subtitles. Oh. Because I think we would not have known anything going on. I mean, we still didn't, right? But it may have been much worse. Uh, There's some accents going on. So, the terror was directed by famed independent horror and genre film producer Roger Corman. We've never done a Roger Corman film on this podcast. And it's starring Boris Karloff, who we've also never done a movie of on this podcast, which is that I was particularly excited to talk about Boris Karloff. Yeah? Personally. Unfortunately, not really for this movie. Well, what do you have to say about Boris Karloff? I just love him. I think that he's great. Um, I mean, obviously, like, a very important person uh, in the horror kind of, like, history um, I read that book I told you about, uh, Cultural History of Horror, and it talked so much about him that I just sort of fell in love with him, like, whilst reading that book, and now really want to get more into him. Um, and I th- actually do think he's, like, the only good thing about this movie. Interesting. I, I would say that. So, and maybe that's just my bias, but uh, I really do love him, and I think that he was actually doing what he could with his role in this film. Sure. I think he's amazing. Uh, would it surprise you to hear that he shot all of his scenes on this in two days? No. We're in late era Boris Karloff here, which means that he is just taking some jobs. He's just, you know, the specifically this film we should talk about is about Boris Karloff plays an old count in a castle and Jack Nicholson, a soldier in Napoleon's army, uh, has some trippy experiences on a beach Ends up wandering into the castle, getting wrapped up in Boris Karloff's drama. Inserting himself, or maybe he should have just minded his own <laughs> yeah. business. 
in my opinion. Getting wrapped up is a strong term. Right. (laughs) He wraps himself up. The reason this movie was made is because Roger Corman in the early 60s had been making a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe films. And being the uh, strong-willed, solution-oriented, independent (laughs) producer that he is... Uh, was like, we have, you know, we got these sets, we got these costumes, this crew's already here. Let's just make another movie. Like, let's just... Let's just do it. Let's just recycle what we've Mm -hmm. got and let's make another movie. So they made The Terror. The account of of the inception of this is that Corman called Chuck Griffith and said, write me a bunch of scenes for Boris Karloff and this castle. Chuck said, what's the story? Roger said, no story, just a lot of castle, you know, in and out of doors, very mysterioso. (laughs) Oh my god. Problem is that like that's actually not the worst thing, but the fact that this is what came out of that is horrifying. <laughs> like yeah. there are so many more interesting things you could do with right. Boris Karloff in a giant castle mm-hmm. that aren't just like weird intrigue that isn't even really intrigue. It's just sort of like I once had a wife. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so they filmed. They finished filming The Raven on Friday, and over the weekend they shot the rest of Boris Karloff stuff, and then he went home. Uh, Roger Corman shot that. They realized they didn't have anywhere close to enough for a full movie. So he called up a, a, a young guy who was working for him around the time named Francis Ford Coppola, uh, director of The Godfather and Apocalypse Now, <laughs> who at the time was just a non-union guy that they get in to shoot this, and Roger Corman actually directing the rest of it would be too expensive because they'd have to use union labor, and they'd have to pay Roger Corman more than Roger Corman had uh, to pay oh himself. God. <laughs> he couldn't pay himself. I would love to pay me, but I'm union, unfortunately. <laughs> there were three other later directors on this film. Uh, I don't think we have to talk about that. But basically, even that wasn't enough. And they had to keep coming back every few months for reshoots. And when they, the first time they came back, Francis Ford Coppola had taken another job. Again, budding director. It's 1963. Yeah. He's getting ready to really ramp up his career. Eventually, Jack Nicholson had to step behind the camera no, and shoot some stuff. he wanted to. He was like, I want to direct the flood. There's a big flood at the end. It was actually tied into um, the uh, Edgar Allan Poe movies, as you said. Yeah. It usually ended with a big fire. Mm. And Roger Corman was like, let's do a flood this time. And Jack Nicholson was like, I want to direct the flood. Oh and then apparently God. he almost drowned, which is <gasps> just... Imagine if this is the only movie we had Jack Nicholson's career. Like, oh, oh this, this young man, he died while shooting this movie. But his performance wasn't very good, so, you know. But, you know, we, we could have lost Jack Nicholson yeah. on the set of this film. Oh, my God. And Jack Hill also directed the quicksand scene from his backyard. So there's a lot, of, a lot of direction stuff going on here. The last thing I want to say about uh, how this film fits into other films before we move through the rest of the plot is that... Boris Karloff, because of a contract dispute with Roger Corman, this didn't end up counting towards a couple days of filming that he owed Roger Corman. So instead, Roger Corman was like, oh, look, I gotta use you on this other movie, which he ended up doing five years later for the Peter Bogdanovich film Targets, which is, I've seen, and is a pretty great movie uh, about a, like, sniper, like a, it's like a... It's a crazy, scary, like, social thriller kind of movie. But Boris Karloff plays a, like, aging movie star who hates his career. And, like, footage from this film is, like, in... Like, there's a scene at a drive-in where the sniper is, like, taking out people at the drive-in. And, like, this is the movie that, oh, like, it's Boris like Karloff char- character was in. Was, oh, is, like, ashamed that's of. That's really interesting. That's <laughs> really funny. They're all watching it like, what's this piece of shit movie? Yeah, so... 
Corbin paid for this Peter Bogdanovich movie. I think it was Bogdanovich's uh, debut. Peter Bogdanovich, by the way, if you don't know, went on to make What's Up Doc and Paper Moon and Nickelodeon and a bunch of, you know, one of the one of the great 70s directors. And Roger Corman was like, okay, so if you film, like, I don't know, like an hour of footage with, like, new actors, we can throw in this terror footage, plus I've got Boris Karloff, he owes me a couple days of shooting, we can bring him in. And it's just, like, the thing I really love about it is the uh, the dedication, the, the get-her-done-ness of Roger Corman to be like, we will make a movie by hook or by crook, we will yeah, cut every cost we can, like... We got these sets, great. Let's use them for another movie. Like, let's let's not waste these Raven sets. Yeah. Like, oh, Boris Karloff, I'm gonna, you know, connive my way into you giving me two more days of work because this movie didn't make enough money for me to justify it. Yeah, it's like fun old Hollywood kind of stuff, right? Like, they used to just kind of share directors and actors and everybody was on set and you could just sort of, like, send someone over for mm-hmm. a few days. Like, movies don't really work like that anymore. And I think that it'd be so fun if this movie was good. <laughs> Because we could be like, oh, it's such a funny story, all of this coming mm. together. And instead it's like, oh no, this is why it's bad. Because it's like, a lot of it was shot in two days. Yeah. There's no cohesive plot line. <laughs> There's just nothing really yeah. going on. It reminds me a lot of how my, my company makes products. Which is concerning, because <laughs> they're medical devices. But it feels very familiar. That's alarming. Yeah. That's great. I love that. I was just also going to say that like I think it's perfect because um, Roger Corman is known for all of these low-budget you know, schlocky horror movies that he did and, and genre movies that he did. But he also launched the career of so, so many great directors. I mean, Scorsese and Joe Dante and uh, Coppola, obviously, Ron Howard, Jonathan Demme, uh, James Cameron, all got their start working for and with Roger Corman. And I feel like you could really feel the way that he must have taught them so much about the movie business and just how to solve problems on a set. Like, sure. Yeah. Again, those are all all filmmakers who went on to more prestige and higher budgets than Roger Corman ever got. Yeah. But like, in terms of you're on set and you're shooting and you need to solve a problem, there may have been no better like mentor in film history than Roger Corman, who made several hundred movies. Yeah. That's very true. All right, The Terror. This isn't a very good movie. No. If you're shocked by that after that production history, then I don't know what to tell you. But this is very slapdash. It is. I, it's so sad because when it started, I wanted to like have fun with it because there's some really funny stuff that just happens in the first, I would say, like 10 minutes. You know, mm-hmm. Boris Karlov is wandering around his mansion, like in his purple robe. Jack Nicholson is fighting birds. But even like when, even just, even before that, when it's just Boris Karlov in the mansion, the, 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 the castle, he opens like a closet and a skeleton pops out. Oh, yeah. This is like oh. before the credits. Before even. the credits, like, and then and then the credits yeah. happen, and the like the the is it that the a bird turns into the word the terror, and there's a bird flying. No, it's less than that. Old lady ghost. No, it's less than that. It's just the graphic of the bird moving across the screen. <laughs> yeah. It's just that's all it is. But I was like, I really want this to be, like fun and schlocky, you know? And instead it was just sort of like boring and schlocky, which is unfortunate. I don't, I hear you. I don't think it's that far from fun and schlocky. It It is very boring, but it could be fun. It has all the right elements. I agree. That's what I'm saying. I think there's like something, 
if it was like almost just a little bit more bananas. Like yeah. if there was more of the yeah. skull stuff from the beginning. That's what I was saying about like, yeah. they could have done so much with Boris Karloff in a mansion. Like, why isn't he a vampire? Yeah. Instead, mm-hmm. it's just like, I had a wife. That's it. Do you want to talk about the twist? I don't think we need to preserve. Uh, let's do like a little bit more plot. Okay. Just like talk about who Jack Nicholson is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a he's a, a soldier. He's a soldier. He's riding a horse. Yes. On the beach, he sees a mysterious woman. Then he's splashing he around in the waves. Obsessed yes. with her. Yes. Immediately. And, and even before he sees the woman, he's on the horse. And then he's like, it's like the camera zooms out and all of a sudden he's on the beach. Yeah. I mean, the implication is that he was thrown off the horse, but there was right. never any like chaos or like any energy. He's just suddenly laying in the sand in the water. Yes. He's, he's a man who just bops from place to yeah. place. <laughs> this is not a good Jack Nicholson performance. Also, I want to say up front, uh, I would never imagine this man to go on to do incredible performances. Uh, things just happen to him. He seems actually pretty unfazed by he's everything. He's so passive. It's yeah. so passive. unlike Jack Nicholson. Like it's it's as if he's trying to be a brooding like screen star of a previous era, like something that would have worked for a Humphrey Bogart. Not that he's like doing that, but like you know what I mean. No, like, yeah, totally. As opposed to the very like reactive like vibrant thing that Jack Nicholson would define his career on. Yes. Like it feels like he does. He hasn't figured himself out yet. No, I think, I think that's very true. He has not like found that Jack Nicholson-ness that yeah. comes later. Uh, but yes, just very passive. I wrote at one point, like he seems unfazed. He's handling all of this information about like murder <laughs> and witches. Like, possession. Possession, yeah. like nothing. Yeah. Uh, and he's, but he is, he is single-minded about this woman. He sees her. He oh, wants he to like, find her i don't he doesn't know. even know he doesn't he just he just wants, he just wants to give her a sweet kiss on the lips yeah he really loves that and then people keep telling him that she doesn't exist and right. he's like but i saw her right. well There's an old lady who's like don't worry about it yeah the bird you saw a bird that's what you saw right and he's the like, gaslit the whole first <laughs> this is gaslight everyone yeah. is telling him like what there's no lady you never saw lady but then she keeps showing up and he's like the lady is right there as multiple people it's the witch and boris carlos yeah the old the old village woman who loves to do science experiments she's got beakers and flasks yeah she has a lab uh a woman after my own heart scientist witch (laughs) has a friend slash assistant who only whispers and that guy whose name i also forgot it's gustav is that explained I don't know. Why? I, I, I kept expecting to be like, she cut my throat and that's why I talk <laughs> yeah. like this. But it was never explained. <laughs> he just talked like I that and then got, so. he, and he had like very, you know, like, if you find the lady, she'll, she'll help you. You can rescue her. Well, no, he tells, he tells Jack Nicholson, who also, his name is Andre Duvalier, Andre. tells him that, oh, if, you know, if you do find the woman, like her will is not her own. And Jack Nicholson like, is like, you mean she's insane? Possessed. So it's like, okay, we've now... I don't know the lore. I don't understand the lore <laughs> yeah. what that means. But like, he's not denying that she exists, just that she's not a normal woman walking around. Yes. And that sort of sets... You need to save her. That's sets he like, like, gives yeah. 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 the directive. Yeah. yeah. So he goes to the castle, meets the Baron, mm-hmm. Boris Karloff, mm-hmm. Baron von Lepp, mm-hmm. and his servant, Stefan... Played by Dick Miller, character actor Dick Miller, who I know from Joe Dante movies. He's in Gremlins and he's in all the Joe Dante movies, but mm-hmm. who's been in like a hundred things and was in 
so much of Roger Corman's work, and it's fun to see him here so young. Yeah, he's not. He's also not doing a bad job, I would say. I just wish he was a little bit more, like, he's got an Igor slash um, Smithers vibe, like, yeah. from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's, like, a little in love with Boris Karloff, like, yes. trying desperately to protect him. And I wish he was, like, leaning more into that. Yeah, like, let's yeah. go absolutely... He's really gotten into it. Yeah, like, yeah, be in tilt. love with him. I do think, we've sort of danced around it a couple times now, maybe this film's fatal flaw is that too many people were taking it seriously. Yeah. Mm. Like, Have more fun. Too many people wanted this to be a more respectable production than it is. Yes. Right. And if it had leaned into the insanity, it could have been... I think that is so actually, familiar. yeah, because, again, Jack Nicholson's playing very straight. Uh, yes. And everybody is taking it very seriously rather than... I mean, except for Boris Karloff. I think he's the only one kind of, like, towards the end... Uh, he starts to get that look in his eye where he's just like, oh, here I am in my big castle. I want my wife back. And I was like, yes, here he is. Like the yes. man in his purple robe. He's going crazy. Like, I love that. But there is a lot of, again, I keep alluding to it. There's a lot of wife drama. There was once a lady of mm. this house. <laughs> One of my favorite early moments of this movie when he points it up, like, Jack Nicholson's like, I'm looking for this woman. Right. And Boris Karloff is like, is that her? And points to a painting. And Jack Nicholson's like, yes, it is. Looks nothing like <laughs> nothing her. Like I've her. never seen a portrait less reminiscent of a woman in my life. Yeah. And he's like, she's been dead for 20 years. <laughs> and they have these like, oh no, where's the woman? Where's the lady? But that's the whole thing is like, no, this right. is a dead woman. But then he keeps seeing her and she seems very solid and alive. And then it's like, she has, she says her name is Helene, or someone said her name is Helene, right. but the dead wife's name is Ilsa. Yeah. My favorite part also is that, uh, it's like, oh, she died in 1784, as if we're supposed to remember when this movie takes place. Yeah. Right, right. As it's supposed to have that in our head. Well, I mean, and then just to say where this movie just makes no sense ever is that it's completely out of time. They keep setting right. up dates, <clears throat> and it's a historical war that he's in. But according to history, he should not be anywhere near that beach. That doesn't make any sense historically. And her portrait says 1786, and that's like when she died. But her gravestone says like 1790-something. Like it just, everything. And, Is and it almost as if they recycled props from other movies? I was literally going to say that. I was like, now having the, the context of how scrappy this movie is, they were like, uh, 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 uh. This portrait looks... <laughs> Sort of like this sure, woman. It's sure. enough. It's fine. She's got what? Dark hair. <laughs> She's white. Eyes. eyes. <laughs> like women have. <laughs> Lips. It's the same. I did also put this in my notes that I wrote. When a woman in a movie is named Ilsa, you know some shit's gonna go down. And I stand by that. I feel like the second I hear the name Ilsa in a movie, I'm like, oh, oh. intrigue, mm -hmm. drama. The only other Ilsa I know is Ilsa Faust from Mission Impossible. Who's another yeah, Ilsa? I mean, I'm right. I think, isn't it Ilsa in um, Casablanca? Is it her name Ilsa? Oh. I might be wrong. I haven't seen that movie in a hundred years. Elsa from Frozen? <laughs> Children's favorite film? But that's our girl. <laughs> what if her name was Ilsa? I would love that. I also want to say, the woman playing Helene slash Ilsa, the wandering ghost woman that Jack Nicholson keeps seeing yeah, and becoming captivated by. Lady. Never have I seen someone less interested in being in the movie that they're in. Yeah, no, she, she is so unengaged, mm -hmm. like flat, just the same facial expression the whole bored time. Bored to act, which is crazy, because she's acting with her husband, Jack Nicholson. She's married, yeah. She wasn't she married to Jack Nicholson? Yes. Point, like, like an obligation. <laughs> He's like, please come be in my movie, sweetie. She's like, fine. 
Like, and it's not, like she has like the right ghostly look. She's not terrible. Yeah. But she just doesn't care. That's what I feel like it adds to it. She's just, she's hot and that like carries her through. Like yeah, that yeah, shit. Yeah. She yeah. just relies on her hotness. She's got a low cut dress. Her boobs out. are out. Yes. Yes. There's a point where she gets soaking wet also and it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there they are. Here we are. Yeah. This is how she's beguiling Jack Nicholson. So should we talk about the reveal? Sure. Well, there's a story that he hears uh, throughout about how the Baron had a wife, as I've said several times. Um, the wife was, had a lover. The wife Baron, a lover. the mm-hmm. wife, the lover, and the mother. Ooh, that's, that's what the should be called. Yeah. Uh, he came back from war? Yes, a different uh, war. A different war. <laughs> All those European wars. Came back from war. Maybe found... they were both in the Hundred Years' War, and that's what this is. <laughs> the Hundred Years. Um, he came back from war, found the two of them in a tryst, because he came home, like, suddenly and surprisingly. Eric was the lover. Eric was the name Eric. of the lover, and then he killed them both. Yes. That is what, the, the, like, the Baron is like, I killed my wife and my wife's lover. Yes. Well, he blames Stefan for the Baron killing. But... Right. Yes. Uh, so that's that's his thing. And he has great guilt about it. He wanders the halls of his castle in shame and regret yes, for the murders for that he this, did. Yeah. He loves his wife very much. He hasn't gone outside in 20 years, right. is what he yes. says. <laughs> that's a mood. Um, and so then that's what we're operating on. And then we find out kind of in succession that one, Eric is the son of the witch lady. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why she's so mad. Mm-hmm. It's because her son got murdered. Mm-hmm. And two, that the man who has been masquerading as the Baron this entire time is actually Eric. And yes. that he, yes. when the Baron did come home, he did kill Ilsa in a fit of rage, and then Eric killed him. Yep. Right? Eric killed the Baron. Yes. And then yeah. took the Baron's identity. And I think yes. this is where things get a little fuzzy. Well, specifically, not just that took the Baron's identity and is now, like deceiving everyone. No, like, absorbed his He's gone mad and convinced himself that he was the Baron? Yes. yes. He's not, like, lying to the people. He is crazy. He thinks, yeah, he's right. fully... Right. He thinks he's the Baron. He does actually think he killed his yes. wife. Absorbed is a good word. He's, yeah. like, yeah. taken over the identity, yeah. even, like, to himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Stefan knows, and that also sort of explains some of his, um, like... Protective. Protectiveness yeah. and yeah. affection for him is, like... No, this was my friend, and now he's this doddering old madman yeah. who doesn't even know right. who he is anymore. Right, right. Um, but I feel like this. I actually think this is a good twist. I actually wrote in my notes that we we just did our M Night Shyamalanathon, and this is a Shyamalan style twist. Yeah, of sure. like, oh, the thing we thought the whole time is not true. This answers some questions and recontextualizes some things. But I actually got upset about it because I think it is a good twist, and it wasn't set up enough. I think because yeah. I. It's frustrating that Ilsa, the ghost lady, it, like Ilsa Helene or whatever, whoever she is, she, one, also seems confused, but she is calling him Victor. Yes. Right, the Baron's and, name. The Baron's, the actual yeah. Baron's name. And it's like, so is she part of this madness? This, yeah, delusion. Does she, because right. he believes it, she believes it, because I would have liked it more if she was like, calling him Eric, and we could have been confused by that, and then be right, like, right. oh, that's why, or like, it's... It's, I mean, I would never argue with Boris Karloff's casting in this, but he is not the son of that old lady. No. Yeah. Like, he's 20 years older than her. Yeah. Incredible. So, like, that's... Uh, it's iffy. Yeah. So, it's like, it's, it's a good twist, but it also... It Could doesn't have been done it, much better. It, yeah, and it doesn't, sure. like, really help anything in this movie. Right, right. <laughs> like, and by the time it comes along, you're kind of just like, 
I, okay, why? Yeah, fine. Why? <laughs> fine, fine. Fine. It works on my argue. The, the, core of, the core of what's good about this could be done in half an hour is the problem, is that, like, yes. this is yeah. a good idea stretched out with a lot of, like, not particularly effective vibing. Yeah. You know? Like, the good version of this, there's a lot of similarities with another movie we did on the podcast, which is Mario Bava's Kill Baby Kill. Yes, very much so. Like... Stranger comes to small town with secret yeah, kind lots of, of wandering around a castle, lots of like lore to learn, and like yeah. that's that a better version of this. That was nuts. That yeah. was like balls to the wall, like full, and also full of twists and turns, and, and looked a lot better. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but that this just like and I wrote, actually wrote down like there, I like this cast of characters. Yeah, I like all of the kind of the stereotypes of like mm-hmm. the village witch. The kind, the simpering manservant, like all of those things really yeah. work for me. Mm-hmm. But like we've said, just like turn it up a little, right? Right. Take it like further, just one more ounce. Yeah. Everyone had too much melatonin. It's like a little, just like <laughs> yeah. everyone's too chill. They're too yeah. chill. Everyone's Everyone like ready to okay, fall asleep. That's what like, I was go. gonna say about uh, Jack Nicholson. Like he, in some scenes, very much gave me like almost like John Mulaney vibes, where he was just this like. Little man, little man. He was like he was like uh, the stables open. My horse is gone, and like impossible. You're lying. Why? <laughs> These run on sentences, like spoken like with the urgency of like, but that's like so a, of a little anxiety. Yeah, but, but not like, like anything really. Deep. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That is actually very ash. My horse is missing. <laughs> the stables open. My horse is gone. Why? Like, like that's so accurate. And again, it speaks to Jack Nicholson, like. He was, it looked like he was reading lines from a teleprompter at certain points, right? (laughs) Like, he's, like, just reading the words. It's in. He was not internalizing what this character's actually going through. Yeah. And so maybe this would be a good time to tell both of you uh, my Jack Nicholson fun fact that I discovered while we were watching this movie. Oh, boy. uh, Which is that this is the only film I have ever seen him in. (gasps) What? How is that possible? Oh my god, Maria! <laughs> so you think he's like a terrible actor? Well, like, no, I know. What is going I on? know he's not. <laughs> Just wow. Um, I love that you have waited until now to tell us this. I am in shock. What do you? You said you realized this during the movie. At what point were you like, wait a minute? <laughs> I don't know this man. I don't know. Sorry to this man. <laughs> well, no, I, I know, like, of him from, like, pop culture, mm-hmm. etc. So I was like, surely, like, I know who he is. Yes. Like, like, surely you've seen a movie. <laughs> well, and that's what I thought. And so I was like, let me just go through his IMDb. Let me just run through it and, like, see what I've seen him in. Yeah. And it was nothing. I went, the whole <laughs> thing. Not a one. Not, like, a movie he was, like, a side character in. Background actor, nothing. This was the only one. Now that's a twist. That is a real. I feel taken completely aback. I. This is an amazing fact. I love that you can actually just now start from Jack Nicholson's the beginning of his career. Watch his entire. Just yes. Do a Nicholson uh, oh my marathon. All hundred and fifty things he's been in. Good news. It will only get better. That's exciting. <laughs> like, that's exciting for me, honestly. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Was it during the conversation about us talking about how he's sexy in other movies? Because <laughs> potentially. That was a conversation we had because I think he actually is very handsome in this movie. Yeah. And I think he's yeah. setting himself up for like leading man vibes. Right. And I don't think 
in my mind, he was never really a leading man. I actually feel like I also haven't seen like a lot of him because I haven't seen a lot of his later, later mm. stuff. Yeah. I obviously just kind of like know The Shining and like right. a couple other things, right. Cuckoo's Nest from like around that time. But I don't think he's like sexy in those movies. I think he's yeah. terrifying. He's supposed to be handsome in The Shining, but like in a scary Kubricky way. Yeah. 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 So I like this movie being like, oh my god, he's so handsome. He's so like you know, he's trim, he's walking yeah. around the beach, like, there's a point where he just has, like, the tight vest and the big yeah. billowing shirt sleeves, and I was like, oh, who is this, this leading man? John Mulaney. Yeah. <laughs> and so, it's an interesting, like, thing to think about where his career was going to go. Yeah. yeah. I do feel like he also maintains his appearance throughout the film. I think he looks pretty consistent. Uh, Dick Miller says that uh, he'll walk through a door and gain 20 pounds because of how far apart the different shoots that the five different directors <laughs> were and that his sideburns were just going up and down his face. Oh my god. I wish I'd noticed because there uh, are so many like goofs of this yeah. movie of like inconsistencies so and like... Well, and Sandra Knight um, became pregnant towards the end of shooting and perhaps that's why her breasts are so prominent is because they had enlarged oh, as pregnant women's do. Yes. Fascinating. <laughs> oh my god. Chuck Nicholson was like, baby, I can't stay away from you when we're on set together. Oh, do I'm you think so that turned baby on was a, a terror baby. A terror baby. <laughs> they did have a child together, so I assume that is that child this on is screen. Jennifer Nicholson, her yeah. first film role. Insane. So I mean at the end of the movie, there's a flood. The sea reaches the crypt, which is a thing that's set up earlier, but I don't think we need to explain to the listener. That's uh, part of lore of this movie that I could never really follow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they all die, except for Jack Nicholson, and he goes on his yeah. merry way. Yeah, well, one of them is already dead. He has a very, uh, everything's resolved, he he and his lady are together, and then he goes to kiss her up against a tree, and she just sort of melts. Melts. Yep. She goes chocolatey in the face. <laughs> well, she's been dead for a long time, so. <laughs> yep. And it's like, I guess it's that she's free, like, her bones presumably washed I into the ocean. Oh, I think putting a lot more thought into sure, this than any that's fair sorry i shouldn't be ascribing logic in this movie i think the only other stray thought i had about this movie is uh in that first act when he's reaching the he's investigating the baron and the castle he barges his way in and says you know i'm from the government of france you wouldn't want to inconvenience me now would you and i just had the thought like this is why we have a third amendment yeah. Is yeah. that soldiers can't just barge into your house and say like, "Well, I'm the government. I'm the government. Oh I'm a representative God. of the government. You I'm have not. to house me. Give me yeah. a bed." I don't know. This movie's very boring. Um, Kill Baby Kill is better. Uh, Jack Nicholson's, you know, in it. Boris Karloff's in it. Yeah, I just want to watch more Boris Karloff movies now. I just want to go see like his more iconic roles. Boris Karloff's amazing. He's even amazing in movies that aren't great. I'm gonna say some blasphemy right now, so just oh, be ready for the blowback. Um, the original Universal The Mummy. I do not think it's a good film. I a lot of people love. Is that the Christopher Lee one? No, that's the Hammer one. Oh, okay. I watched both last year, so that's probably why. The original one with Boris Korloff as the Mummy, I think, especially compared to Invisible Man and Frankenstein and Dracula, the other you know classic Universal monsters, really doesn't measure up for me. People love this movie. I'm gonna get yelled at for this, but Boris Korloff as the Mummy is so fucking scary. Like, he's so good in this role. Yeah. And again, a lot of that is makeup and, like, you know, costuming. It's, like, the great work that went into those old movies, you mm -hmm. know. But his physical portrayal is so good as the mummy. Again, in a bad movie. So yeah. I think it's not all the good movies that we already know that he's amazing in. Yeah. But, like, 
I really think he can elevate a movie with his physicality, with his, like, gravitas. Yeah. And I don't think he brought that to this, unfortunately. I was gonna say, like I said, I think that he is the best part of it, but I think you're right that he didn't, like, he didn't take this to another level. He just is, was a a point of enjoyment for me and something that I was not really enjoying for the most part. Mm -hmm. And to be fair... Roger Corman treating him like an indentured servant saying, hey, you owe me two more days. You got to come work on this. And then five years later being like, hey, remember the terror that didn't make enough money. So you owe me two more days. You got to come work on this Bogdanovich picture I'm working on. So like... Doesn't engender a good I can understand yeah. being like, please yeah. stop calling me. <laughs> I don't... Lose my just, number. <laughs> just pay me the money you owe me and we can move on. Let me oh leave. My God. I don't know that he feels that way. He probably doesn't. He loved working. He loved yeah. movies. But also... <laughs> I'm not surprised that he'd sleptwalk his way through this. That just made me emotional when you said that, though. I just, like, this is why I, like, was excited to do this movie, because I just love old Hollywood, and I just yeah. want to do more old Hollywood movies on this podcast. <laughs> so I really hope we roll a better one at some point soon in the future. The curse of the roulette is we don't, we don't have a choice. <sighs> the Speaking of the roulette, are you ready to let the, let the sea come and wash us away with all and those, drown us in the crypt? With all of those, um rocks that were clearly made of styrofoam styrofoam yeah. floating in the water yeah, yeah yes i am i'm pulling it up as we speak wonderful our next movie will be american mary i've it, never heard of this interesting this do you is know a, what this is i do i don't know very much about it where is this oh it's on shutter back to shutter shutter we love shutter shutter sponsor us it's been a bit uh it, people have, really yeah. like this movie i know i think it's like a a body horror movie. That's what it looks like, body modification kind of stuff. Interesting. Okay. I'm in. I'm ready. Fantastic. So our next movie will be American Mary, 2012. Mm-hmm. We're going to be inundating you with content for a while. At least that's our hope. So we just did our Shyamalanathon, our unscheduled surprise Shyamalanathon. Mm-hmm. And here's episode 101. We're also covering Fantasia Fest again this year. Yes. We had such a great time last year. So excited. Wonderful to be able to do it again, which means we are going to be watching... So, so many horror movies, new horror movies, uh, re-released and unearthed horror movies. And we're going to have, hopefully, a couple episodes about that. Mm -hmm. So go and check out the Fantasia Fest slate. If there's anything that you think we should check out that maybe you want to make sure we don't overlook and you want to hear us talk about, let us know. Buy some tickets and stream some of the, the movies that are available there. It looks like a really cool lineup. There are so many. I, like, my first pass, I had, like... Uh, 10 movies. Yeah. I, like That was like my first choices of yeah. things I wanted High to High priority. See. Very excited about some things that are coming out. So go watch some stuff at Fantasia. Check out their slate. They're awesome. They're totally unique in the, at least in the North American... Um, festival like, circuit. Yeah, festival circuit. Like, mm-hmm. I love them. Um, so I would guess the next time you hear from us will be about Fantasia Fest. Yeah. And then maybe you'll hear from us about Fantasia Fest again. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> then we'll get to American Mary. Yeah. Very exciting month planned. Very excited about it. And then we're in October, basically. Or soon after that, we're in October. Good yeah. Lord. I know. And then it's going to be horror movies every day. That's what we do. That's what horror we do over here. All the yeah. time. It's always spooky season on Now Screaming, but it's especially spooky season in October. Until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at Now Screaming. Be sure to leave us a like and a review and a subscription and a friend referral and talk to us. Yeah, all of those things. All those things all those that things. we say talk every time. Talk to us. We love it. Marielle, do you have anything you want to promote or plug? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> thank you, though. Do you want people to find you on the internet anywhere? If they must, they can find me 
at Mari Elephant. So embarrassing. It's M-A-R-I-E-E-L-E-P-H-A-N-T. Hi, I'm Walt Walmart. <laughs> That's my Twitter name. I love it. I've loved it for so long. It's my favorite. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for, for having me. It's been such a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm so glad. It's been so long since we've had a guest. I know. It's nice. There and was actually, a pandemic. around the table, too, yeah. not just yeah. like on the phone. Virtual. Like It's so yeah. nice. Yeah, it's nice to talk to someone else about horror movies again. Yes. <laughs> someone with absolutely no context, no background, and no... Jack Nicholson. Former Jack Nicholson experience. <laughs> oh, that's so true. You brought such a necessary voice to this. Thanks, as always, to Wes Craven. And to Jack Nicholson, who, again, despite going on to so many greater and better things, remembered this film fondly and didn't write it off uh, or, or disown it, saying later, I had a great time, paid the rent, they don't make movies like The Terror anymore. <laughs> and you know what? He's right. He's right. He's right. And maybe a that's a good thing. thing because they don't make movies with five directors shot over the course of a year. Yeah. But, you know, I'm glad that he wasn't dismissive about horror movies. Yeah, roots. it's nice. And he became such a scream king, so. True. You know, I'm glad he has this, this fundamental history with Boris Karloff. It's really nice to know. Absolutely. All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs>